Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. My guest today uh, is a father, a mentor, a compassionate uh, community member, and a successful entrepreneur. He's been focused on the equitable development of community and businesses his entire professional career, and continues to commit to have, having social impact through economic growth and advancement for his community. With ownership of two successful startups, Faces International Marketing and Faces International Marketing and Development and the Cleveland School for Cannabis, he has years of experience developing successful teams. Kevin Green, thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today, sir. Oh, man. So glad, so glad to be here, Montel. Uh, so glad to be here with you and your team. Absolutely. So let's let's uh, back up a little bit and let's talk about a little bit about your professional journey. Now, take us through some of your background and uh, what was your career path before you turned to focus on cannabis? Uh, man, truthfully, it's funny because it was so far away from cannabis. Never thought that it would be an opportunity. Um, it, it really the journey started for me uh, going about uh, 13 years ago when I really decided to say uh, where I was, you know, working with T-Mobile USA at that point was that I wanted to do more and I wasn't fulfilled, even though it seemed like I did everything that the world told me that I was supposed to do, you know, uh, go to school, come out, get a good job, get a good career. Um, there was an emptiness there. And I wanted, I always had this need for wanting to try to create my own and do my own thing, you know, as a young kid, always, you know, hustling to make things happen. Um, and at that point, you know, we, we I took the leap with a, a, a few of my buddies um, and we started, you know, Faces Marketing, um, Advertising and Development Firm. And our whole entire goal at that point was we were seeing what was happening to our generation being I'm, I'm turning 36. Um, you know, we come out into the professional world, the market crashes. We had to create all these new skill sets. We had to have side gigs and all that type of stuff. And we thought that there was a new balance that was gonna need to be in the workplace. And we wanted to be a part of changing the culture. And truthfully, we wanted to be an example, especially for young black men in the sense of uh, not falling into the stereotypes of what they felt that we were and trying to set a new standard and change the culture. And you know, that's when we embarked on our journey to, to start our company. But now Phases International Marketing and Development is a company that markets and develops what? Is it just cannabis or other things? No, so it's everything. So, you know, it's funny thing we always talk about, man. We've done everything from events that had camels and camel milk all the way to some top corporations and governmental uh, agencies and municipalities. So we're a full-fledged marketing firm where we go in and do everything from your strategic planning, all your advertising assets, the placement of those advertising assets, offline, digital, TV, radio, et cetera. Um, we do a lot of community engagement within our strategies because we know it's important. Important, uh, for uh, uh, companies to be able to engage in a authentic way with the communities that they serve. And then the the, the caveat and the, the wrinkle that we feel is our competitive advantage is that we do staff development. So we work in the areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion and team development, understanding that no team um, can be highly effective if they don't understand each other and able to work each other, especially through the cultural barriers that we might have in our organizations. Where'd you, where'd you, where'd you go to school? Did you go to school for marketing? Uh, so I went to school for general business at William Patterson uh, University, uh, left there, did some schooling at Penn State, Lehigh Valley, a uh, satellite school out here. Uh, but, you know, as the thing, the thing with marketing is like we came out of school and the whole world changed because, you know, social media popped up uh, <laughs> a couple of years after that. So uh, everything that I, I say that we do right now, the principles are still the core principles, uh, but the world has changed quite, quite a bit. And so now what what made you go, hmm, cannabis? What what 
turn your focus to cannabis industry? Uh, truthfully, man, it was a conversation with who I consider now a great friend and a business partner. Um, actually, uh, we we met each other on a plane uh, traveling to the Dominican Republic, uh, where we both vacation and, and do some business there. And we we started talking about business. And he waited. He must have waited. He must have planned this because he waited till the last night that we were together. And he decided to throw out to say, hey, I'm looking to start a cannabis school. And I looked at him and said, why? Do, you, do we need that? And he said, because there's a huge need for a workforce. And that to me hit immediately with the community work that we do. Economic development and workforce development is always a major part. So, so when, was, when was this? When did this? This was 2016, December of 2016. And you had just gotten legal cannabis in Ohio, Ohio then, right? It was medical yep. cannabis then, right? Medical. Yep. Still is, still is to this day. They're trying to pass right, right now. Yep. So uh, he had that conversation with us. And at that point, you know, my mind just started going um, and we decided to go ahead and partner up and, and make this thing happen. And for me, um, I still say, I, I guess I'm not the uh, the uh, the typical or what people would think is a, a cannabis person because my background was never in, in, in the plant or plant sciences. Uh, but my background has all been about developing people, uh, developing teams and developing uh, developing businesses. So um, it really it really spoke to me. And truthfully, as a young black Jamaican immigrant male, I was like, wow, I'm going to actually have an opportunity to, to make real change. You know, it kind of went to the mission that we said we wanted to create change and be an example uh, for young black men. And it, it just it fit everything for me to being able to be in this industry, especially on this level. And what was your relationship with cannabis at that point in time? Did you have a relationship with cannabis? My straight recreational novice user didn't know what I was using. Hear the names about it. Used to tell my friends like, "You don't know what you're talking about. You guys are just making up names." Never paid attention to the real reality. I never, I never gave cannabis the respect that I have for it now. Uh, so I was just a regular recreational user that had my own anecdotal uh, pseudoscience of what I thought it was doing for me. Right, and you know, I mean, I, I, I guess you tapped into something without even realizing the fact that it's probably, I think, still. You know, the the biggest, you know, drawback to our industry is the fact that there is not as much education in this industry, not just for the employees that work in the industry. But, you know, this industry has done a pretty good job in the last four or five years of B2B education, but it literally kind of left a B2C education up to the consumer by themselves. When I say B2C, I'm talking about, you know, business to consumer. We are not educating the masses, those that are we want to come in and buy our products, we're not giving them even a baseline of knowledge as to why that they should want the products. 100%, which to me and to our organization, we know that is the biggest gap because an educated consumer um, is an empowered consumer. Um, and it's so important. Uh, I, I think it's in the first time because the medical market, the general medical market that we're used to, we don't know much about the medicine that we're taking there either, right? Um, and cannabis, you know, we, I don't think we should take the same track. I think we should be very invested in making sure that everyone, especially the consumer and that patient is highly aware of what they're taking and how it works with their body. Um, and I think it only makes them respect it more. And I think that's where we will have less abuse of cannabis if we have respect for the plant, which is I, I have now. And I, I, and I, I never had that growing up. Yeah, and especially now you just said that Ohio is a medical state, but yep. they're trying to pass a adult use legislation? Yep, that that's correct. Uh, are they doing it through the legislature or are they doing it? How are they trying to do it? Uh, you know, it's all always through the legislature, right? So, you know, you start the process of, you know, getting the bill, uh, pulling it on the ballot. So that's what they're working on right now to get, get the bill on the ballot. Um, and they're writing the legislation for that. So I think 
Ohio is prime due to the fact that, look, Illinois is gone. Michigan has been wrecked, you know, for a little bit now. New York is going. Pennsylvania is not going to be far behind. So, uh, you know, say, uh, uh, Missouri is, gonna, is, is medical and they're probably going to start pushing for wreck soon enough. So the Midwest is going to happen in, over the next couple of years. And now you started something called the Cleveland School of Cannabis, right? Yes. And is that more for B2B, meaning you are educating people who want to work in the cannabis industry? That's And, that's, and mm-hmm. who licensed your school? Is your school a licensed school? Yep. So the process that we've taken because of the lack of federal truthfully support at this point, with uh, the, especially the fact that it's just still a Schedule One drug, which is the main thing that needs to happen first, um, is what we sorted out first. So to answer the first question, yes, we are an education company focused on workforce development. Uh, the 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 core. Cool- of our program and why we knew that there was going to be a need for a major workforce, which we've seen the numbers in the sense of the job creation and the continued breaking of those projections. But what we didn't want to happen was we didn't want transplants from the West Coast to take the jobs that were coming to the East Coast and the Midwest and the rest of the United States. We wanted people in the state that was legalizing cannabis to have the opportunities. And as we know, most of us might like cannabis, might think we know some stuff about cannabis, but doesn't understand the true white market and the commercialization of cannabis and how to do it on a commercial level. So we wanted to fill that gap, which is what we've done over the last five years. Um, the second part you know, to that is our, uh, our process of, uh, I guess you can say in the sense of uh, standards, right? So the first thing that we did was we uh, got uh, uh, approved by the state of Ohio, which is uh, the Ohio Boards of Career Schools and Colleges. Uh, they approve all workforce development schools um, in the country, right? Each state has a board for that. Uh, the second thing that we did was we started our process for national accreditation that we see for our traditional higher educational institutions. We've just been accepted by Middle States Association, which is one of the top accreditors in the nation, uh, to be a candidate for national accreditation. So we are in line in the next six to eight months to be the first and only school focused solely on cannabis education to hold a national accreditation. Um, and we did that because we want to drive high standards in the industry. And now do you give your, your school, talk, talk a little bit about the curriculum. I mean, are mm-hmm. you, is it more again, B2B where you're teaching people how to do the business of cannabis or is it more about teaching people about the history of cannabis and teaching them about, you know, what cannabis is really all about, scale of the constituent parts and the reason for, you know, the various strains or is that what you teach? Uh, all, all of the above. So first it is, we are definitely about workforce development. So we're educating individuals to work in the cannabis industry. We feel that is the largest demographic that needs to be served. Obviously we always have our entrepreneurs. We've had a ton of entrepreneurs jump out of our program and start their own business and are are being successful. Um, in the sense of our curricula, uh, curriculum, uh, we have, uh, five majors that we provide. Um, one directly in cannabis cultivation and horticulture, uh, dispensary operations, uh, extracts, um, extraction. We have one in hemp and CBD, and then we have a medical applications um, uh, uh, and research uh, uh, track, which is very focused around the research endocannabinoid system. Um, so all of those courses 
all take a history class because the one thing that even myself didn't fully understand was the true history of cannabis. So everyone takes a history class, everyone takes a law and policy class, and then they will get into their uh, career track focus classes, whether it's horticulture or extractions and things of that sort. So they're going to learn everything about, you know, in horticulture, you're not going to start about commercial cultivation and cannabis. You just need to understand plant science. You need to understand microbes in the soil and Photosynthesis. You need to understand that, right, in the basics. So we start with a basic horticulture program, and then we then you compound that into commercial cultivation and the processing and the things that happen. And the same thing with extraction, right? Uh, so you learn the methods of extraction, the different products that go, and the different things that happen through that 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 scientific protocols that are happening when you're there. Um, and then dispensary operations. You know, one of the biggest things uh, that we know is what you talked about was terpenes and strains, right? Uh, terpenes are so important to the expectations of what you're going to get uh, uh, from the healing properties of that plant in itself. So having your dispensary agent, which is where that B2C interacts, um, because since our doctors are not highly involved in the in the, in the the cannabis program right now, uh, due to the fact of the lack of their knowledge, but also the way the program is set up, um, that dispensary operator is really the person that's giving that first-time patient or long-time patient that consultation. So we make sure that we provide full comprehensive training. So an individual is not only ready, but they're ready to be successful. Gotcha. And I mean, it's really important. I think one of the things that's, uh, you know, a lot of people who've jumped into this industry don't understand how long cannabis has been around <laughs> and the fact that America was built on cannabis. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's, it's been it's been around for eons, you know, eons right. yeah, <laughs> to say the least, eons. So I'm 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 really so again. So you're trying to change to, to train. Uh, you can go to school and graduating. You don't get a degree as a bud tender or as what do you do? Does a degree as an operator in the dispensary or? So yes, yeah, so dispensary operations. What we're seeing is most individuals are starting um, as bud tenders or dispensary agents. You know, every state likes to call it a different thing. Um, in the sense of that, you will leave with a state-approved certificate, right? So what that means is that it's approved by the Ohio Board of Career Schools and Colleges, right? Um, what we're continuing to work towards is what does standardization look like in the industry, right? As federal legalization goes, because we deal with the top multi-state operators in 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 the country, right? So Cure Leaf is hiring our grass, Green Duff industries hiring our grads. Um, you know, Cresco Labs is hiring our grads. Acres Holdings hiring our grads, right? These large MSOs hire our grads because of the quality of education they come out with, knowing the gaps that they have to fill on site with employees that they hire. Um, so we've even taken that to, we're working right now with the Florida Department of Health and their medical marijuana department, the individuals that regulate the, the, and oversee the actual industry in Florida, we're training them. Um, so they have knowledge, right? Because again, a lot of people are getting into cannabis Either they want to or they have to do, depend on if, where they work um, and they don't have that knowledge. So we're really looking at this at a full ecosystem and saying, where are the gaps and how can we help uh, uh, be that be that tool uh, uh, for individuals to, to close the gaps? Well, now, would, would, uh, do you target a specific demographic for enrollment or are you just open to anybody who wants to enroll? So that uh, being a marketing person, I've broken all the rules when it came to cannabis. Uh, the first thing is like, who's our demographic, right? And I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, under 35, very, you know, progressive type person. Turn out our oldest student is 77 and works in a dispensary. So that opened it all up to say our demographic is from 18 to 77. Literally, it is the most intergenerational community I've ever seen. Um, so what we've been able to do is help an individual that is at the, 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 the later end of their career to say, hey, 
This is something I wanted 40 years ago. Um, and now I'm having the opportunity to get in and maybe end my career in this. And then also looking at individuals looking to start their career to say, look, this is an industry I want to be in and I see the growth and the opportunity. So we're really making sure that we're targeting individuals that are looking for transitioning in the sense of the career that they're in, individuals looking for new opportunities in a career that they're looking in, and then truthfully overall uh, advocates for health and wellness, especially from the holistic type approach. Um, and we have a laser focus on black and brown communities and disenfranchised communities that have been hurt by the war on drugs to making sure that we create equity within the space. But do you have to live in Ohio to take advantage of these courses? Nope. We have a full online program. It's similar to our, our meeting today. Uh, we do it via live through Zoom. So you actually have a live instructor. You get to interact with students. Uh, we made that decision pre-COVID, actually. So when COVID happened and everybody was scrambling to what online would be, we were ready to go because we thought that the best way for people to engage in cannabis would be to have a live instructor because you know, it's, a, it's a topic that people have never had critical dialogue around out loud, right? It's always the quiet in the corner. Um, so we wanted to create it as much as possible. So we hit about 17 states right now and counting in the sense of where we're providing uh, education to students in the United States. Well, tell us a little bit about the financial aid and scholarships that are mm -hmm. available for the program for those who would be interested and worried that they can't afford it. Yeah. So, you know, when I when we think about that, that really spoke to who what the issues that we dealt with going through higher education. Uh, the first was access to the capital to be able to afford uh, with the federal uh, a status of cannabis, we don't have access to any of those government subsidies. So the first thing that we did was we created our own financial aid department and we started with our own scholarship program. So we provide four scholarships currently right now. One is a minority scholarship. One is a women's in cannabis scholarship. One is a veteran scholarship. And the fourth is a resilience scholarship, really either socioeconomic scholarship or individuals that we feel have been resilient and been able to overcome things that we want to give them opportunity. Uh, we knew that that's not enough. So the next thing what we did was we found financial partners that would work with us to be able to service our own student loans. So we created our own student loan program. All of this, by the way, uh, the Cleveland School of Cannabis underwrites in itself. So we're, there's no other outside parties involved in these decisions whatsoever. It's me and my two other partners that make all these decisions. No other outside money, nothing in itself. Um, so we're able to do that in a conscious way in the sense of doing it right. And what we did was that we locked our student loans to be between 8% and 12% with no options for real big deferment or reallocation of a loan in any type of way to spike interest rates or creating uh, a mess of what we've seen in the current student loan program. So we created a way to be able to be to put people in successful positions and not positions where they're going to have a burden. The last thing I want someone to do is leave our program and feel like we're on their backs, uh, uh, you know, for the rest of their lives. So we've created those financial services to make sure that we can do everything we can, even understanding we're not getting the support from the current federal government right now, providing the program, the success that we've had. Wow. And uh, now what's your take on the fact that, you know, again, you're doing such Mm -hmm. Great work, especially when you're talking about women and people of color. <clears throat> but the industry as a whole, nationally, though we pay lip service to social equity in cannabis, social equity is not truly happening in cannabis. And we can see the fact that, you know, women represent probably less than 4% of the, the people who own businesses in, in this industry and people of color are, are less than 10%. Yep. So what's your take on social equity? 
So my take on social equity is it's too limited, right? I don't even, I'm starting to try not to use the term of social equity, especially being in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. We really have to think about this in a broader aspect. What I don't like about the current programs that I've seen is that the, the fact they're too siloed and they're very focused around license acquisition. And my problem with that is the fact that even for all the licenses, there will be a limit on licenses, right? Just like liquor license, right? Everybody can't have one. There's a limit. So we know that there's a limit. The second thing, there's, there, there's also going to be a smaller pot of licenses available for what they call social equity clients or applicants. So with that situation, you're basically creating the smallest pot available and putting all the energy there. I don't think that's the way that we should be. We should be looking at this as a full ecosystem. What are the direct plant touching opportunities? What are the entrepreneurial opportunities? What are the ancillary business opportunities? And also, what are the supporting services and consumer services our industry continues to grow? Also, continue to work on expungement and doing right by the criminal justice reform that we need to do in cannabis and making sure that we're creating multiple gateways. And truthfully, we need to stop only focusing on THC side of cannabis. We have a whole entire version of the plant in the hemp plant that will be a textile product and create textile. As you said, right, it used to run America, right? And that's because of the textile properties that hemp provided. If we stay so focused in, my fear is that that will be consolidated, not equitable, and we'll miss out on that boat because we're too focused on just the THC side. So I'm well, not- I think we're also, we're also not just too focused on THC side, we're too focused on the CBD side. We, you know, we've literally taken a, just jumped off to the races, CBD, 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 <laughs> and forgotten the fact that this plant has, you know, viable, well over 250 other cannabinoids that we know even in the science of the research or the research and the science around cannabinoids, we know that they work synergistically in this entourage effect. And, you know, there are so many other cannabinoids that are just as important. And again, you said terpenes, but we also are now noting that the flavonoids have, you know, purpose. And then there's also purpose, but put mixing those cannabinoids together with other botanicals that are out there that have been used for the last, you know, couple hundred years also that yeah. will elicit the response that we want down the road. So we're literally in a position right now in an industry where we're like the Wright brothers pushing that wooden plane down a hill. hundred <laughs> percent. I couldn't have articulated any better. There's so much to learn. And for all we know right now, we're still unlocking what this plant really, really has. Um, and that's and that's exactly what my worry is, that we have tunnel vision right now. And when we have tunnel vision, normally what happens is we pop out 20 years later and it's too late, right? Because it's been consolidated and it's been eating up the industry and the opportunities, especially when we think about the best opportunity in any type of industry is when things are started being a part of the growth, right? Being sure. a part of that, right? That That's where the opportunity is. I mean, we noticed, I mean, there's there's recent research out and I mean, it's been, it's been around now for the last several years because there's two publicly traded or a couple publicly traded companies up there right now that have focused in on it. But, you know, we even uh, are starting to look at the biomass waste products that come from the processed products that people are using to sell for ingestibles or for smokables and recognizing the fact that cannabis has a greater capability of storing electricity than even graphene or graphite. So right now we're looking at cannabis stocks and things being cooked and provided and used in the right way where we can let, you know, the future of cannabis could be batteries. <laughs> and people aren't even talking about that. 
not even talking about it, man. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And I think that's why I'm so excited about this opportunity. And, and that's why we have to shift the conversation and, and broaden our perspective of cannabis because without broadening our perspective, we're limiting the opportunities available to us uh, to be able to truly, truly gain equity. Everyone doesn't need a license. Everyone doesn't need to be a business owner to, to, to take part in this industry. And I urge individuals to really open up their mindsets, you know, change the game. It, it's time. We, this, is a, this is a blank table here, man. We, we, you know, we don't get many of these, right? You get, you get a couple of these a generation, right? The last one was the tech boom, right? With personal computers where we are, we have smartphones now. You know, this is our next boom, you know, so we have an opportunity. It could be. To it could be. Yeah, I mean, we've come a long way in the last couple of years when it comes to cannabis uh, policy reform, yep. but we still have a long way to go. Now, what are your thoughts about what you would, what, what do you think is going to happen, let's say, in the next few years? And, um, you know, how are you working to help change some of the policies? So the main thing that I basically think that's going to happen in the next few years is that we are going to probably be very, very close to the uh, full 50 states. Right. You know, we have one major state left, which is the state of Texas. And I've done some work in Texas and things of that sort. And, and Texas is prime and ready to go to transition. Right. So I think once Texas goes, because we're starting to see the south is starting to transition. So I think we're uh, I think personally, we're going to see that we're going to be very, very close to the 50 states. The next thing that needs to happen is the rescheduling of, 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 of cannabis from Schedule 1 to at least a Schedule 2, um, and then real focus around what this federal legalization look like. Now, in the sense of what we're focused on uh, to go ahead and making sure that equity is built into this is right now, um, and as of next week, we'll be launching an educational uh, curriculum with uh, Senator James Sanders out of New York and Queens um, in the sense of making sure that his constituents and constituents in New York are, are ready at, uh, for what's going to happen as rec uh, rolls out there in New York. We're really focused and partnering with individuals across the country to making sure that we have a laser focus on who and how we educate people to take advantage. Because we know the biggest thing is this, the more you know, right? The more you know. If you don't know, really can't move, right? And I always say opportunities are infinite and readily available. It really comes down to, are you prepared for the opportunity or even able to see that the opportunity is there in front of you? So we're very, very focused on partnering with individuals, community colleges, um, elected officials, community members, nonprofits across the country to making sure that we're able to go ahead and build the right relationships and start to prepare people so they can transition what they know now into the cannabis industry or build new skills to be able to move forward. Because education has it has before when I think about, um, you know, and taking it back to, you know, slavery as thing we're coming out of that, uh, coming out of slavery. Education was a key for us to be able to go ahead and move forward. Right. And it will always be the key. We always say education builds nations. Right. At the end of the day, the more we know, the more we're able to do. And I'm very, very excited about the opportunities. And I'm hoping that what happens, my hope is that individuals find ways to work together in an industry that's so new. It's not time to work in silos. This is an opportunity to build strong relationships and strong coalitions that are going to have more impact. So that's really what we're trying to build. We're trying to be a coalition builder to drive impact. It's like your voice, you know, your 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 words and uh, in God's ears. I mean, you know, we're working in an industry right now though where everybody is is more concerned about their own little piece of fiefdom yeah. and their own little square foot than they are worried about collaborating with others. I mean, what kind of pushback are you getting from, you know, uh, other universities or from the, you know, the the structured universities? I know that you know, you were talking about the fact that you do teach the endocannabinoid system 
um, at your school. But now we're starting to see that several colleges across the country are starting to, especially medical schools, are starting to literally do what they should have been doing for the last hundred years. And that's teaching, you know, this, you know, this, this information to their doctors and their graduates, you know, that are coming out, making them understand that there is this viable endocannabinoid system that's part of every mammal's existence. And clearly we're using a product that antagonizes that because, you know, here human beings make their own cannabinoids. And we're starting to see through research that lots of deficiencies we're seeing in, in autoimmune diseases and other things are deficiencies in our own endocannabinoids. So finally, the medical industry is starting to say, hmm, we better catch up. Are they pushing back against schools like yours? You know, I think the traditional uh, four-year, eight-year institutional model um, is always going to have some pushback from individuals and organizations like myself um, and our organization that are coming in that are doing this work. Because our focus is trying to say, how can we expedite someone's position into the industry? Um, as fast as that we possibly can um, in the right way, making sure that they're prepared to go. I would say that what we've seen over the last five years, right, the conversation that I've had with uh, traditional higher ed- education institutions has shifted because of exactly what you just said. Now that the science is here, they can't not deny it. Um, they know that they don't want to be on the back burner of what's happening, right? Because that's going to affect their tuition at the end of the day, because people are looking for this, right? It's a new industry. You have to be able to service that industry. Um, I do believe that for us, we're going to have a lot of partnerships and we're trying to build those now. And we're going to launch something soon with community colleges because community colleges have the ability to adapt faster to their population that they serve because they serve a more general localized community in itself. And I believe with the transition of individuals looking at um, uh, four-year, eight-year, 12-year degrees in the sense of, is that the right track for everything? That's uh, There's definitely going to be need and we need our medical community uh, that are going to be putting in those years to be fully aware of all the things that they could possibly provide their patients to create their wellness toolkit. Um, and at the end of the day, um, I truthfully feel that the more people that are doing this um, and the more institutions that we validate or our traditional institutions that are getting in the game, I think it makes institutions like us more valuable um, at the end of the day than less value. Because what it's doing is validating what we said years ago, that this is it and we have to get on this. Um, so I, I welcome them and I welcome all their partnerships and I welcome them doing great things in the industry once they do it again in an equitable way, which traditionally higher education has had some issues with equity. Um, and I'm hoping they continue to strive for that. You know, I mean, when you take a look at what, what's happened with this current administration, you know, I mean, the lies were, were told during the run up to the election. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this in the first hundred days. But now we see clearly where they've set. I mean, you've got a vice president, you got a president of the United States who uh, still thinks that cannabis is a uh, gateway drug, excuse me. And then you've got a vice president who literally is responsible for more incarcerations of low-level cannabis crime in her state than any of her predecessors. So do you see this administration trying to make any kind of significant change when it comes to cannabis? I lost my, I I would have to say I lost my faith in that Uh, very, very quickly. As you said, right, the first hundred days, um, at first I was like, okay, this, this is, this makes sense, right? This this makes sense that they're going to jump into this. Uh, But at this point I don't. 
Um, I don't see that. This is conversation. We've seen that the 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 Senate, the House are talking, and they're they're trying to pass things like the, you know the the Safe Banking Act and all that type of stuff, which is a big issue. You know, access to to banking. You know, because we pay the taxes. You know, we pay taxes, but we don't have access to these things. Um, so, truthfully, at this point, I have no faith. Um, I don't see the reason why we should slow boat in this because what is it doing? It creates jobs. It's going to stimulate the economy when. We decided as a majority of the nation to say that we were going to go into more of a restrictive way of living. And, I, you know, call it a shutdown, whatever we want to call it. Once we decided to put those restrictions, they deemed that cannabis was vital and it was an essential business. We saw that the two things that people went to buy, toilet paper and cannabis. So that tells me that this is very, very important to the population for their well-being, but also it's a driver of jobs and, and economic strength. So for me- but at the same time, they still left alcohol as an essential service. Remember that. True. true that, true that, right? So where, are, where do our values where do our values lie, right? At the end of the day, right? So that's why I don't have a lot of faith in this administration. I haven't had any faith in any administration to really push it forward. And that's why I feel it's going to take all 50 states. And then it's like, well, what are we going to do now if every state is legal? We might as well now just, they don't have to be the ones to lead the way they'll just go ahead and take the benefit from in the back end of it. Yeah, we may not get all 50. I think there's always going to be a holdout or two. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, my goodness. Anything else you want to add, my friend? Uh, you know what I would say, you know, I think I think for everybody really on uh, on the fence, right? Uh, whether you are a patient wondering, um, can cannabis be a part of my wellness toolkit? Um, what I urge you to do is start to ask some questions, you know, start to go through the dialogue, start to uh, have those conversations with your medical professionals. Even though they might not be up to par with it, it's good to start to have that dialogue around it. Start to reach out and find sources that you can educate yourself. If you're an individual looking to take a part of the cannabis industry, whether working or starting a business, really starting to get connect connected. As we talked about earlier, building relationships are going to be key in your process of success. The relationships you build now are going to pay dividends for you in the future. It is not time to cut yourself off and think it's all about you. It's about time to build a coalition and build a strong, strong team. Because once you do that, you're going to be able to move mountains and do so much more. And then truthfully, just, you know, truthfully, directly to our elected officials, educate yourself. Don't allow your biases and the disinformation, and the propaganda to make your decisions. We understand this is what you've known majority of your life. But as we have with everything else in our life, we learn new things, we do more, and we're able to advance. So I urge you all, get connected, get educated, and start to push the, the, this thing downfield and think about all the things that we can do um, and making sure that we do that in the right way and then we do that in an equitable way because we have an opportunity to right a lot of wrongs with one plan from the medical community to what we've done in sense of disenfranchised community. There's nothing else out there that's giving us this opportunity. Let's not squander it. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you, uh, you know, um, if people want to find out more information about your school, where would they go? Yes, definitely. You can find us on any social media platform, Cleveland School of Cannabis. Um, our website is csceducation.com. That's csceducation.com. Uh, please, what we ask is challenges. Ask us questions. We're here to service you. So even if you're not looking to enroll, we're here to answer questions. We're here to be a beacon, an epicenter for individuals looking to find their way um, in this industry. So connect with us, touch base with us, and we're looking forward to talking with you. Kevin, I can't say thank you enough for being a part of Let's Be Bought with Montel today. I know that our, our listeners are going to really enjoy this interview and they're going to reach out to you one more time. Give them the website. All right. CSCeducation.com. That's CSCeducation.com. 
And at any time you want to come back on, you know, I think the, the more often that we can, you know, just stop for a second. I mean, I, I sometimes, you know, on this podcast, well, I will literally take 20 minutes to just back up and say, guys, let's back up for a minute. And remember that, you know, back as early as, you know, 1590, when sailing ships left Europe, sailing ships were leaving Europe with about a ton of hemp seeds on board. Why? Because, you know, back then we realized back in that time that hemp was one of the highest protein laden seeds on the planet. And so, you know, sailors and 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 uh, the, the, the people who crossed oceans literally took hemp with them so that they could grow it, knowing that they might have to use some of the fiber to repair their ships and help make their ropes and help make their sails and also to eat it, to keep them alive. So, you know, some of what we need to do every now and then is just literally just do a tutorial. So I'd love to have you back anytime you want. Okay. Uh, I appreciate it, Montel. It's great to be here. Loved it. Absolutely, sir. Well, look, you know, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also. So please send us your comments. Uh, 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 uh.